0: Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, you lack one thing, go, sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. The word of the Lord. This text is uh, one of those texts that is like highlight moments of the Gospels. It's the kind of story that, that sticks with you uh, and there's moments in your life that just stick with you. There's, there's places, there's things that stand out in life, and uh, one of the great joys of having got to live in some different places was uh, hearing different kinds of stories in different kinds of places, and uh, when we lived in Milwaukee, uh, we heard about a very special restaurant. It was a spy-themed restaurant. You don't hear about spy-themed restaurants too often, uh, but it was a, a place called Safe House, and it was a restaurant that you know There was some information about online, but the trick of it was you had to have the password to get into the restaurant. So you'd show up, and if it's, it was okay if you didn't know the password. Uh, you were on an honor code. If you ever knew the password, you're not supposed to share the password. But you'd show up, and if you don't have the password, an agent would greet you and ask you to complete some sort of spy activity for uh, the company. Now, it was usually something that would be a little embarrassing that you'd have to do. Maybe it's act like a chicken or who knows what it might be. Uh, but you were someplace that the rest of the restaurant could watch. So as you did your training, everybody got to observe you in this kind of initiation. And so if you, if you did the task and you got the password, then you got to go eat in the, in the restaurant. And it had all the kind of spy themes that you would expect. And it was a uh, unique restaurant experience so you're trying to figure out how do I get people to show up give them a unique experience and so uh, you needed the password to get in now this man in the story we read today is somewhat looking for a password he's showing up to Jesus wondering like how do I get this eternal life thing like can you just let me know what do I need to do to get in just just tell me right he's he shows up he wants to know what unlocks for him eternal life and this man, like, he's all out wanting to know this answer. Uh, he's running, he's, he's groveling, he's like kneeling down, uh, he's, he's flattering Jesus. And back in that ancient time, uh, you wouldn't just run uh, as a nobleman. Uh, it was seen as beneath people that had high status, because, oh no, if you ran, your legs might show a little bit, and your flip-flop sandals might be just going off, and it just was not dignified. And so uh, it wasn't seen as a great thing for somebody of, of status to start running around, but he runs up to Jesus. He, he kneels down before him. Again, it's not exactly a status symbol. It's not a great thing to make yourself look big and strong. It, he's down at Jesus' feet, and he calls him good teacher. And it feels weird to us because Jesus like distances himself from that title, but part of what's going on there is nobody ever called anybody good teacher, like we don't have any accounts of any other Jewish person at this time ever using this phrase. Like It's not a common phrase. And so Jesus is like, what are you doing? Why are you calling me good teacher? Uh, you know someone is good. God is good. And he's going to go on into that conversation. Uh, but he's like, I will do whatever I can uh, to find out how do I get this eternal life? Just, just tell me. And he's willing to do anything before Jesus. He says, Jesus... Tell me, what do I need to do? I'm an open book. Tell me what I need to do. I'll, I'll do it. And Jesus looks at him, and you know, he distances himself from that good teacher language, and, and he, he's like, hey, you know God's good, right? And you know God's already kind of given you some answers to this question, right? Can, you know those answers, right? You've, you've heard the commandments. And he starts naming Ten Commandments. He starts talking about, you know, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, you know, we'll kind of avoid the fact don't defraud isn't exactly in the Old Testament version, but it's something like don't covet, honor your father and mother. And Jesus gives all of these commands that are related to how we treat one another. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't do the command about, you know, I'm the Lord your God. Uh, don't make any false, like, idols. Don't, don't make graven images. He, he kind of leaves out, you know, no Sabbath. So he doesn't really talk about the God-related commandments, but he talks about, hey, you know how to treat people. That's an answer. And so he's like, I think you know part of the answer. How do I get this eternal life? And the man's like, he's feeling really good about himself. You know, Jesus, I've been doing all of those things since my youth. He feels pretty good about himself here. I, I've already kept all these commandments. This feels like I'm, I'm past the test. You know, if you were to show up before a final exam and tell the teacher, what do I need to know? And they gave you all the subject matters that you thought you knew really well. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. I'm going to do awesome, and he's feeling really puffed up, and I just love the language of, I've done all of these things since my youth, because like the, either he's done these things his whole life, or, or he's done them since a moment in time, but all of these things that are listed don't feel like things that you would mess up while you were a really young person, like don't kill, don't commit adultery, like some of these things are like, wait, were you breaking those as a child? Like, what's going on here? What's your story? But, you know, Jesus, since I was a, a youth, I've kept all these things. And I love that Jesus doesn't really push back because he, he, he could push back. You know, this man hasn't met Jesus in the way Jesus tends to, to push God's commands um, beyond just surface level, but to get at the root, get at the heart of what's in, intended and implied in the commands. You know, in, in Matthew, we hear Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount say things like, You've heard it said, do not kill. It's a commandment. Uh, but I say to you, don't even be angry. If you're angry, you're already liable to judgment. That, that anger is at the root of what's beneath the, this prohibition against killing people. Uh, it's not just enough to not kill, but, but how do you turn your life so you're not even angry? And, the, and likewise, Jesus talks about, you know, you've heard it said uh, not to commit adultery. And I say, if you even lust in your heart for someone, you've already committed adultery with your heart. You know, so Jesus pushes these commands even deeper even more at the root of the problem. But Jesus doesn't come back and say, actually, you've completely failed all of these commandments. He he goes along with them there. He says, okay, Um, one thing you lack. And so Jesus is about to give him uh, something beyond just what he would expect from the Ten Commandments. Uh, beyond just the simple codified rules, the simple password. Uh, if we had just a couple rules, it'd be easy to follow, and you're like, okay, this, is, this makes sense. But Jesus is about to push him a little bit further, and Jesus looks at him, and, and he, he loves him, and I feel like it, we shouldn't rush past that moment, but he looks at him, he loves him, and says something. You lack something. We all know the people who are really easy and and prone to tell people that they're lacking. Tell everybody why you've fallen short, why you messed it up, why you didn't do enough. Uh, But Jesus looks at him and loves him. Says, hey, you're missing something. It's not this like, I'm gonna chastise you, you're worthless, You're, you're a terrible person. I love you, and you're missing something. And you might be surprised because we're so used to the idea of Jesus loving people. Uh, but the Gospel of Mark only has one time where it narrates Jesus loved someone, and it's this story. That even, the, even this person who comes, and, and we know if you're used to this story, it's not going to end perfectly. But Jesus loves this person, and tells him you, have, you lack one thing. What do you lack? He tells him that he needs to go, sell what he has, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And I love the language that Jesus does in this command. It's not you need to sell X amount of dollars. It's like here's the financial threshold, like there's a tax bracket or something. Whatever you have, let it go. And that hits everybody. You could be someone who has very little, someone who has a lot. No matter what, of like this is quite the ask. You know, the man wasn't expecting this type of invitation from Jesus. Go sell whatever you have. Share it to the poor. Give it, give it to those who need it. And then come back and follow me. And this might be surprising because what must I do to have eternal life? Sometimes we feel like we just need a little password. We just need a little answer. If I say this one thing, if I believe just this one thing, That's what unlocks the door. That's what gets me in the gate. That's what gets me into an eternity. And so, like, I don't need to worry too much. I don't need to fret about things. Uh, We want the simple answer, but this man gets an invitation to an experience, to a a full faith and a letting go. Not just, I believe, I trust you, God, in my head, but I trust you, God, and I'm actually going to let my hands open up. I'm going to live out this trust, this faith. And Jesus invites him and to an experience. Now I think it matters why Jesus invites him to an experience, uh, and not just uh, an inviting to a belief in, in an eternal in life. Um, this is the only story in which Jesus is said to love someone in Mark, but this is also the only place in Mark that talks about eternal life, and that might sound strange. Uh, we love using that language, and we like, love talking about eternal life as Christians, uh, but Mark only has it once here. And it's on the mouth of this man who comes asking, how do I get it? And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't tend to use that kind of language. Uh, instead, which we'll see in, in you know, the verses right after the story that we read, uh, when this man's going to fail this, this invitation, he's going to turn away, uh, Jesus is going to turn and say how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God for those who have much. And so for Jesus, entering the kingdom of God is what it is to have eternal life. That it's not just that you're living, but you're a living member of a community. You're a living member of God's rule. And that rule isn't just about after you die, it's about now. And so the Gospel of Mark begins with both John the Baptist and Jesus saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom is here, and now it's coming close. It's not fully visible to everybody yet, but we're getting moments of it. Repent, turn to it, and you might live, you might get to experience what God's kingdom is like. And In other places in Mark, we have children who, Jesus like, hey, don't turn kids away. Like The kingdom is like a place that these kids should be a part of. And what is the kingdom of heaven like? It's something that's worth giving. Uh, Getting rid of your hand if it causes you to sin. Uh, whatever that gets in the way of your entry into the kingdom, get rid of it. And so, for this man, Jesus invites him to see that, hey, the things that you have are getting in the way of you participating in what God is doing. All those things are obstacles for you to actually living out what God is doing here and now. If you want to be a part of God's kingdom, you want to have life and you want to have it truly. You gotta let it go, and in the midst of letting it go, God will bless you, God will move in you, God will bring life, and that life is entering into this world where despair seems to rule. And so Jesus invites him not to just have a simple answer, not to just have an unlocked code, but but to live fully, and to be a part of a community that lives that out fully. And I can't help but think about this invitation of how do I go on this, this mission, this way. Um, the beginning of this text, our, in our, our translation, it says Jesus was on this journey. Um, literally, he's on the way, which early Christians called themselves before they were called Christians, but they were people on the way, uh, on the way to life through a cross, through graves, through death, but they were on this path together towards life. And then when I think about this invitation, uh, I I talked about that mission, that spy restaurant earlier. I can't help but think about uh, all the Mission Impossible movies or TV shows, depending on what era you wanna think in. Uh, But you get this kind of recording that says, hey, I've got a mission if you choose to accept it. There's an urgency, this this tape's gonna be gone in five seconds. Are you gonna come onto this mission? It might seem impossible, but you need to go. And this man sees Jesus' mission as impossible. I can't do it. And that's like a super sad story. And the man in the story shows that. Uh, the NRSV translates it as the man was like distressed. Uh, he was shocked and went away grieving. Uh, that word for shocked is also translated as like gloomy. Like you know someone whose their whole countenance drops you know this man's spirit falls down under the weight of the burden that he carries with him that he's unwilling to let go I love Augustine has a famous quote about how this man walked away he said he went away sad carrying a great burden of possessiveness upon his shoulders all these things that this man thought that he loved that he wanted were the burdens that pushed his spirit down and it was impossible for him to imagine letting those things go, and so he walked away. He disappeared, he went on his way. And I think about, um, for those of us who've, who've seen people walk out on us, there's a moment about being able to see yourself with Jesus here of, what is it to offer someone life? And seeing someone say, sorry, uh, I, can't, I can't do it. And you know, maybe you know people who are like, maybe tomorrow. Uh, maybe maybe the next day, maybe when I get older, maybe when I have kids, whatever the situation is, maybe if I put it off, maybe I'll say yes then. Um, and it's easy to always keep pushing it off. Uh, but the man walks away grieving. And he not only misses out on what God might be able to do, uh, he misses out about the community that God is moving in, he's missing out on the life that's there right then and, there, and, and now, And the the text also talks about the storehouses of heaven, you know, trading over uh, what he had for eternal uh, glorious gifts from God. And so when I think about this story, I think about when we are all invited by God uh, to go on this journey, to go on this way. Uh, If you've never been on that journey, you can see yourself walking up to Jesus and saying, what must I do to live? What must I do to have eternal life? What must I do to enter God's kingdom? And Jesus can look into your spirit, look into your eyes fully, and what might Jesus say to you? Where is there something that you're lacking on, a little bit of trust or faith, that you need to let go of something instead of holding on so tightly, that you're holding on for the last grip as as hard as you can, and just let it go. And realize that that thing you were so scared of was actually what was imprisoning you. And with love, trust God. And there's something about that seeking of eternal life or good things or whatever it is that you're looking for in life and saying, I want to hold on to it. I want the code. I want, I want to be the one in control. And Jesus' invitation is actually to let go of control and to experience relying on God. And so maybe you've said yes to God at some point in your life, and you've been on that path, but you might still, in your prayer time, ask God to show up, think about Jesus walking up to you, looking you in your eyes, and saying, God, reveal to me what's the one thing I won't let go of. And how powerful it is to just imagine Jesus telling you, hey, let it go. Come follow me. And so we all have the, this invite continuously to us of what would it be to experience life right now what is it to let go of the things that are holding us down? If you've been on that journey, if you've said yes, if you've accepted this mission, which seems impossible to live faithfully to God, and I love it in the passages after this story, the disciples were like, how on earth can anybody enter God's kingdom then? Like if this guy, if this guy can't make it in because he, he can't let go of some things, who on earth is making it? Because remember at this time, like if you had a lot of money, It was God's blessing. So like, you deserved it because you were a good person and God blessed you. And if this person who God has blessed so much isn't making it in, what hope is there for any of us? Because they see this man and they assume he has a better shot. So how on earth can we ever have that kingdom, that life? And Jesus tells them with humans, with people, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That mission that seems impossible in your life, whatever it feels too hard to let go of, with God's help, all things are possible. And so, if you've said yes, if you're in the midst of continuing to say yes to enter into God's kingdom, to experience little moments of life, because that's what being the church is about, is a community of people who are saying uh, yes as well as we can, as faithfully as we can to Christ's invitation for our lives. That we might be places where people get a glimpse of what it is to have life. What is it to have abundance of life right here and now and hope that it becomes visible fully in the age to come. And so if you've been in the challenging world of like how do I talk about my faith? Maybe you can take some notes from Jesus here today that it's not always about finding the right things to say but the right experience to, to bring someone into. The right kind of experience that you can't help but talk about uh, and you want to talk about what is it to have life we could have a lecture about what life looks like or you can come live it and Jesus is inviting that man he invites all of us to let go and to live fully and instead of just talking about what it means to follow God live it do it follow God And so if you're ever wondering, like, I don't know how to talk about my faith, one thing is just inviting people into life experiences where they see God at work. Wherever God is at work in your life, invite someone with you. And that might just be, uh, I love the blessing of the the table, come have a meal with me. That might be, I I love serving at this pantry, come serve with me. Like, whatever life-giving thing is going on in your life, invite someone along, They might say no, Uh, the man in this story says no, but the invitation is to life here and now. One of the things that I I regret as I was thinking about this story was that uh, in Milwaukee all of our friends talked about that spy restaurant and their experiences of going to that restaurant and finding out the password and all of that, Um, but Beth and I never got to go to that restaurant. We could have gone on our own uh, but nobody ever said, hey, would you go with me? And that invitation is so meaningful and important for people. Of Like, this is a weird new experience. I don't know if I can do it on my own. Where is this place? They don't want to advertise because it's secret. Uh, and so people talk about it, but no one ever just said, hey, would you go with me? And think about how many times as Christians you've experienced life through God. And there are people who just long to be invited into that. There are people who would actually say yes to going along, to go serve in a ministry, to go help someone in need, go along to just have a community mealtime and conversation, who would go along to just being present with someone who's grieving. But we often hold on to those things and we think, ah, somebody probably doesn't want to go. But like Jesus, we can look at someone, love them, and invite them into an experience. And so that is our invitation, to say yes to God and to extend that invitation out to those around us. So if you're looking for a way to talk about God this week, think about just inviting somebody. Invite them wherever you see God at work in your life. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come before you all having said yes in some capacity saying yes to being here. There are people who might be worshiping with us online who haven't been in a a church building or space in in years or decades. There are people who just showing up to worship is a big yes, is one that's not easy. Lord, there are also those of us who have been saying yes uh, to showing up to church to worship for a long time but who need you to, to speak into our lives about what things we are still holding on to, what things we still need to let go of and trust you. Lord, I ask that you would give us a mindful heart of all the things that we cling to that is not you. Lord, I ask that you might give us courage, give us wisdom, give us guidance, so that we might be people that can't help but invite people into a life with you, that we can't help but share about what what good love and, and joy and peace we have through your Spirit. Lord, be in this space. Be with all who are worshiping with us. May we trust in you even more today, and may we invite others to trust as well. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.